listening to the Island Christian Church of Holbrook podcast. This message is the first part of the series called Rediscovering the Gospel. Today's message, given on September 10th, 2017, is titled, What is the Gospel? While the gospel is very simple, the gospel, which means anyone, good news, the gospel has many facets to it. It's like getting directions. Have you ever taken your phone and used it to get directions to a place and you end up somewhere else? You know, that happened to me twice in the same day this week. I mean, I was going and, you know, this was a place, one of them I had never been to. And so I had email with the address. So, you know, it's great. You just tap the address and then boom, it gives you directions to it. I love that. Except as I'm getting there, I'm supposed to be going to a church building and I'm driving down this little court in a residential section of Sayville. And I'm like, gee, could there be a church meeting in that house? I don't think so, you know. And I realized that it had transposed like a, an avenue to a place or something like that. And it put me on this, av- this place rather than this avenue. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I got there. I didn't lose too much time. And then that evening I was going somewhere else. And it did exactly the same thing. And so it's so important you know, when we, we put our trust in something to get us to a place, and you know, our eternal future also depends on us trusting the only one who can get us there. And I do have good news. Jesus doesn't mess up like a GPS or a phone. He doesn't do that. He's faithful, and so we're grateful for that. So, hey, let's pray, and then let's turn to God's Word. Lord, Thank you for everyone that's here this morning. Lord, I don't know where everyone is on the map of uh, the spiritual journey, but I pray, Father, that you would draw each person just to the place where you would want them to be. You would open our hearts and our minds to your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about rediscovering the gospel, and gospel means good news. And we're going to see how Jesus' death and resurrection can touch every part of our lives. You see, some people think the gospel is just for the beginning of the Christian life. And it absolutely is that. It's the only way you can begin. And if you try to begin some other way, you know, you're going to end up you know, in the wrong place, just like I did. But... Once you start the life, you know, you cannot just say, well, okay, I know the gospel. I've got the gospel. I can move on beyond the gospel. Because, you see, the gospel should continue shaping every aspect of our lives and our relationships, no matter where you are or aren't on your journey of faith, there is good news for you, and the gospel has something that still applies whether you've been a Christian for a lot of years or you're not even a Christian. There's stuff about it. And so the the reason why I want to do this series is because there is a lot of confusion about what the gospel really is, and it isn't. There are some people who are proclaiming a gospel that is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a false gospel, and just like the phone that gets you to the wrong place, a false gospel cannot save you from sin. And so it's important that we get this right because I'm staking my life on it, and I think you should too. We need a gospel that will save us and not another gospel. And I actually hope that we all will become more 
fluent in the gospel. That's a word maybe you haven't heard in that context. But I want us to develop what some people call gospel fluency. So that we just not like, oh yeah, I got the gospel, you know, Jesus died for our sins, you know. But there's so much more to the gospel than that. And that is the essence of the gospel, don't get me wrong. But I want us to be fluent in it and how it can shape your life, no matter how long you've been following Christ. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at four questions that the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ answers. And it's important that we understand these four questions. Okay, the first question that we're going to show how it answers is, who made us and to whom are we accountable? Okay, who made us and to whom are we accountable? Now, some might say, well, that's easy, but just just hold on. I'm telling you what we're going to ask. The second question that we're going to answer is, what's our problem? Would you agree that we as people have problems? Sure. So what's our problem? The third question that we're going to answer is what is God's solution to our problem? Okay, because God has a solution to the problem. Okay, and then the fourth one, which if you've answered these first three questions, I think you would want to know the answer to the fourth question. And the fourth question is how can I be included in his solution? You know, it's all interesting if it's like, okay, well, here it is. But, you know, if there's really a problem and if there's a solution to it, you know, I want in. I don't want to be left out. So what we're going to do is we're going to answer these four questions today. And to help us remember it, I'm going to give you a single word to remember each one of the four questions and the answer. So the first question is, who made us and to whom are we accountable? Okay, the word is very simple. The word is God, okay? Because look, in the very beginning of the Bible, in the beginning, who? God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, we, we believe that. You know, we're not gonna talk about how he did it. You know, you know we're gonna just look at why, at who created us, and that's God. And it's very important that we don't get that wrong. Because if I'm just some amoeba in a slime mold or something like that, you know, I wouldn't be here today. You know, we wouldn't be having church. It wouldn't be important. But because God created us, he created us to be in relationship with him. Okay? It's, you know, God God created mankind to be in relationship. And that's so important. So what does that tell us about the character of God? Okay, how would you describe God's character? I'd like you to look at a passage in the book of Exodus, Exodus 37, verses 6 and 7, and this is where God describes his character to Moses when Moses has prepared the tablets the second time and is about to go up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. Let's have a look at Exodus 34. Exodus 34, starting in verse 6. The Lord passed before him, the him is Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, 
forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Doesn't that sound great? I mean, we sung the song, good, good father. You are a, God is a good father. And these are some of the characteristics. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger. How many of you are quick to anger? Don't raise your hands. I'm raising mine. Okay, right? Okay, God's not that way. Okay, he's abounding in steadfast. That's, that's un, when something's steadfast, that means it doesn't fail. It cannot fail. His love and he forgives iniquity, sin, transgression. That sounds great. But the problem is many people in their understanding of God stop there. And you have to have a complete picture of God in order to understand who he is. And what does God say next as he's revealing himself to Moses? He says, but who will by no means clear the guilty? Who will by no means clear the guilty? And I think some people have a misunderstanding about God. They think he's like the great grandpa in the sky who's like looking down on creation and says, ah, I wish they wouldn't do that, but, you know, boys will be boys, you know, and and." The thing is, God is holy. God is perfect. And sin, which we're going to get to in the second part, but that breaks the relationship, and God will by no means clear the guilty. He is holy and righteous, and he can't ignore, and he can't tolerate sin. And quite frankly, because God created everything, he has the right to tell us how to live. Would you agree with me on that? If God created us, he has the right to tell us how to live. And as far as who are we accountable to? Well, because he created us, we are accountable to God. And one day, everyone will have to give an answer to God for every choice and decision that he or she made. Now, that's a pretty dire situation. And why is that? Well, who made us and to whom are we accountable? The answer is God. The second question is, what is our problem? And the word that we can use to remember that is man. And I don't mean just men. I'm saying man, mankind. And our problem is that we sinned against God. We broke God's law. Okay? It started back in the beginning And everyone continues to do it today. Now, some people say, well, that's not fair. Adam and Eve sinned, and how come I have to get counted into that? Listen, I've spoken this concept before many people, and I've never had anyone say, you know what? I've never sinned, you know? If anyone feels they've never sinned, would you just stand up right now? I'm not standing. I've sinned. Okay, because that look, we know that we know we've all messed up. Some of us are better at it than others. Okay, and listen, you know, all people, we were created good. Man, when God created everything, what did He say? It is good. But what happened is we became sinful by nature. Romans three twenty three says it this way: All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So from our birth, all people are alienated from God, hostile to God. And because of that, because of sin, we're subject to, and this is not a popular term, but it's scriptural. We are subject 
to the wrath of God because God is holy, okay? We are subject to the wrath of God. Sin is serious rebellion against a holy God, and sin will be punished, okay? Now, if that's where we ended today, we would be in a pretty hopeless state. But there's a third question, you know? What is the solution to our problem? And the word that I want you to remember this by is Jesus. Jesus is the solution to the problem because God's solution is salvation from the penalty of sin through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died on the, cra- on the cross to bear God's wrath in the place of all who would believe in him. And he rose from the grave in order to give his people eternal life. You see, that's a, this, that is one of the most incredible statements and, and historical facts that Jesus, who did not deserve any punishment upon himself, willingly took yours and my punishment upon himself. I, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because this is a very incredible verse here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says this. For our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see, you see what happened on the cross? Jesus, now, he didn't become sinful, okay? Because Jesus could not become sinful. But he essentially took everyone's sin upon himself. And he didn't know any sin. He had never sinned. And why did he do it? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I like to explain it this way because we can all understand this every month when we get a credit card bill, <laughs> right? You charge up stuff and then you get the bill and like, oh, I forgot we used it for that. And now you're like, what are we going to do, okay? And I always say, well, how awesome would it be if somebody just said, oh, you know what? That bill, I got it for you. I'd be like, thank you, thank you, okay? And we, in a sense, have a debt which is a penalty for our sin, and Jesus paid the penalty on the cross. It's like ripping it up. But here's the thing. There needs to be more than that because just having a debt forgiven is, makes it so that you don't owe anything anymore. But remember I said God is righteous, God is holy, and I am not. And how can I enter into the presence or into a relationship with a holy God if I am not righteous also? So the fact that just my sin or my ugliness and my mess-ups have been forgiven, that's important. But if that's all that what happened on the cross, that would just make me morally neutral, okay? It would be like, okay, the debt is erased, and now I'm morally neutral. But that's not good enough to get us into the presence of a holy God. We actually need to be righteous in order, declared right, in order to enter into God's presence. And 
That's what that verse means here. He made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see, because Jesus was perfectly righteous, 100%, his righteousness that he demonstrated in his life and at the cross can actually be credited to your and my account. So it's not just like the credit card bill has been ripped up and, and you have a zero balance there. It's like you now have a credit in there. Wow, some people say, I got a credit, I'm going shopping. No, no, don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. You have a credit and you have Jesus' righteousness credited to your account so that now you can enter the presence of a holy God. And that's how we're in relationship. So am I righteous on my own? Nuh-uh. You're not righteous on your own either. None of us are righteous. But when we use God's solution to the problem, which is trusting in Jesus, a transaction has taken place, as you would. And the transaction is my sin essentially went to Jesus on the cross and was crucified with Jesus, and Jesus' righteousness gets credited to my account so that now my, not only are my sins forgiven, but I have righteousness, not of my own, but from Jesus so that I can stand in the power of a holy God. That's pretty awesome. Jesus took our punishment. He's our substitute. And God declared that the sacrifice was acceptable because he rose Jesus from the dead. And so that is just awesome. So the gospel Word one is God, word two is man, word three is Jesus, and now we get to the fourth question. The fourth question is, how can I be included in his solution? Okay, and the word that I want to use for this is response. Response. You see, God calls everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and to trust in Christ in order to be saved. So there's really two elements. The, it, to trust is another word for having faith. So we need faith and we need repentance. What does repent mean? Okay, we don't use the word often, but it, it's kind of a cool word. In its simplest form, repent means to change direction. So that rather than me, remember, I'm sinful, I continue to sin, I am unrighteous, now all of a sudden, I am coming face to face with the reality of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, his death and resurrection. And I am now saying, okay, I'm doing a 180. And I am going to turn away from my own way. And at the same time, I am turning to Jesus Christ. So it's doing a 180. It's turning. And I'm turning from trusting in what I can do. And I'm turning to trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. And having faith is important. There's a great verse, uh, John 1.12. You don't have to look it up, but it says this. It says, but to all who received him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, okay, receiving him, believing in his name, that's having faith, he then gives us the right to enter into his family. You know, there's a sentimental saying that I, I get why people say it, but it's not theologically true. People say, oh, we're all God's children. 
It sounds nice, right? But you know what? Technically, to be, we're not born members of God's family. We get adopted into God's family. And I don't know about you, but my wife Anne was adopted. And the cool thing about adoption is that, you know, anybody can give birth, but when you're adopted, somebody has chosen you. They've picked you to become their child. And that's just so awesome. And Jesus has chosen you. He's adopted you to come into his family. So to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Faith means you rely on Jesus and you trust in him alone to repair your broken relationship with God. So that's the response. That's how it works. So it's God, man, Jesus, response. God, man, Jesus, response. We can find that in a very, probably the most familiar verse in all of the Bible, in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved. Okay? God loved. We sinned. Man sinned. Jesus forgives. And then to all who received him, we have eternal life. That's response. So I want to ask you this. Are you actively trusting in the true gospel? Or maybe have you trusted in something less than the true gospel? Do you believe that you've rebelled against God and you deserve his wrath? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God who died the death that you deserve for your sins? Do you believe he rose from the grave and lives to stand in your place as your substitute and Savior? If that is your heartfelt conviction, then I invite you today to trust in Jesus. And I want to tell you my story because it sometimes helps to hear how other people came to faith in Christ. I grew up in a church, kind of got dragged there as a kid, um, went to Sunday school, went to through the confirmation class at church, and... Uh, I'll never forget because I, I think it was, in eight, yeah, it was in eighth grade when we had a year of confirmation class. And the pastor of the church says, if you're going to be confirmed in the spring, you've got to be in church every Sunday, no matter where you are. If you go on vacation, tell your parents to take you to church. And so, oh, all right, you know, what do I know? I'm an eighth grader. And uh, so we did that. We got, went to church every week, and then I got confirmed. And the thing was, I didn't really see the purpose of church. I mean, yeah, there were nice people there, and boy, when they had a meal or something, the food was always good, but I, I just didn't get it. And the reason why was no one ever explained the gospel to me. Because I went to a kind of church where they didn't really, it was kind of the do-good church, you know? You know, just so, you know, we'll follow the golden rule. You can't build your whole faith base on the golden rule. It's going to let you down. Okay, and I never heard the gospel. And I thought maybe I was the only one, 
But I found out that there were a lot of people in that church that never heard the gospel because when I heard the gospel, it was at a time when, and, and this just shows the miracle of salvation and the providence of God at work, because this church that never taught and preached the gospel invited some people to come in from, uh, I guess it was Jersey and uh, Pennsylvania, and they came in and they basically shared the gospel one whole weekend in the church. How awesome is that? Here's this church, doesn't even preach and believe the gospel. They invite people in to share the gospel. And, you know, I got to say, um, we, as I said, I found out a lot of people hadn't heard the gospel because a lot of people came to faith in Christ that weekend from this church. But the way I came to faith was this guy looked at me, and he actually was a local guy. He wasn't one of the people that came in, but he was a Christian. And I, I sort of knew him before because I, I was in Boy Scouts, and he was a little older than me. And uh, so, I, you know, I knew him. I looked up to him. And, uh, you know, he looked at me. He says, Bob, do you know Jesus? I said, well, I, I know all about Jesus, you know, because I, I went to Sunday school. I was confirmed. But I said, but I, I know about Jesus. He goes, no, Bob, that's not the question I asked you. I didn't say, do you know about Jesus? I said, do you know Jesus? I said, how can you know Jesus? And he essentially told me what I just told you this morning. And I'm like, you mean I can know Jesus? And yes, you can, because my sin had separated me from Jesus, and I hadn't accepted the solution to the problem, and I hadn't responded. I had kind of the facts about, yeah, I believe God created us, and yeah, I kind of knew that I messed up, but I really didn't realize that there'd be any penalty for sin. You know, I kind of thought God graded on the curve. You know, if I did better than most everyone else, I was golden, you know, and I, you know, God don't grade on the curve. He grades on the cross. And so at that time, I said, I can't believe I've never heard that before. And so I went and I prayed to trust in Christ that night. And I found out that a lot of others, especially teenagers too, did the same thing because none of us had heard it. And so a whole bunch of us came to faith in Christ one weekend. And then all of, now, now you got all these brand new teenage Christians. What do you do with them? Well, they had a youth group. I guess we must go to the youth group. The only problem was the assistant pastor who ran the youth group, he was kind of quiet about the gospel too. And so he said, all right, well, you guys, you run the meetings. Well, that, that's saying, okay, the inmates are running the asylum now, you know? <laughs> but we, we, you had all these brand new people who were teenagers who just discovered faith in Christ, and we, it was just awesome what happened. I mean, I don't remember a lot of it. You know, we probably did some, you know, crazy things, but the bottom line was we were discovering what new life in Christ was all about together. And I have to say, that choice, that God chose me and I responded, that was amazing. And I am just so thrilled with it. So I would ask you, if you haven't made that point and come to that point in your life where you're trusting in Jesus for forgiveness of sins, I would invite you to do that today. If you've done that already, I have a different challenge for you. If you've done that already, awesome. If you haven't, I'm so glad you're here, and I would hope that maybe today would be your day. But if you've done that already, my challenge is this. I would like you to become fluent in the gospel.
Okay, I would like you to be able to understand the gospel so that you can explain it. Now, it's simple. You know, it's so simple even a child can understand it. But I, it's important for us to understand more about it, I think, so that when people have questions or objections, we can address them and we can meet them at maybe the point that they're getting hung up with. And not only become fluent in the gospel, but pray for somebody who hasn't yet responded to Christ. Is, is there anyone here that doesn't know any unbelievers? Okay, so you're all qualified. You're all called, okay? And so become open to the working of the gospel in somebody else's life. You see, now that you know this framework, God, man, Jesus response, maybe you can even use that to share the true gospel with somebody else. You know, I, I don't want to pick on you if this is the way you do it, but, you know, when, when I was a new Christian, you know, people would always say, oh, just ask Jesus into your heart, you know. And I, I kind of get what that is, but did I mention asking Jesus into your heart in this? No, not at all. Because the gospel is that God is holy. He created us. We are sinful. We have rebelled against him. God provided Jesus a substitute, and we need to respond to what Jesus did. I don't hear anything about asking Jesus into our heart there. You know, it's a nice sentimental thing, and I get that if that's what you did. But, you know, just like children need to grow up in their understanding of things, I think Christians also need to understand, grow up in their understanding of the faith and the gospel. So, um, listen, the greatest act of love in the world unquestionably was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Uh, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, you know, it didn't just end there. Jesus didn't just die, but Jesus' sacrifice was acceptable to God, and he raised Jesus from the dead to life, and Jesus is still alive today. Will you trust in the living Savior? Will you trust in Jesus?